we're going over the kind of the new motto that we introduced, what it means to be a YAC student, right? Like we got these bands, I am rescued, I am worthy, I am brave. And we covered I am several weeks ago. And if you've noticed by now, it's a play on words. So the I am refers to both who God is and who our identity should be grounded in, right? Because let's be real, when it comes to identity, God is either a piece of the pie in regards to our identity, or he is someone who is wholly informing it. Like those are the two spots you're at. That's it. Those are the two things. God is either the piece of the pie, or he is wholly informing it. So it is I am who has rescued us. We talked about that last week. It is I am who makes us worthy. It is I am who makes us brave. And it is because of I am, God the Father, that we can say with confidence that we are rescued, we are worthy, and we are brave. He makes us those things. God makes us those things. And when these things define you, this is the beauty of it. When these things define you, you can begin to be you. You can begin to be you. As you are made more like him. And again... The reason this is so important, right, is this is the options you have in the world. Either your experiences in life will inform who God is, or knowing who God is will inform your experiences on life. Like, those are the two options you have in the culture that we live in. And uh, really, the culture that even Jesus lived in, right? These are universal human ideas that we're discussing. But they're the reason that they need to be addressed. Because if you can get this, if you can ground this, you will know and enjoy Jesus so much more. So we talked about rescue last week, how rescue is at the core of the human experience. We desire to be rescued, especially when crap hits the fan, let's be real. When we fail, when we lose hope, we want rescue. And Christ has gifted us rescue from the biggest problem we have, namely our enslavement to sin. Yet we rebel from our rescue all the time. We desire to run back to the life we once knew. We are like the Israelites in the desert who grumble to Moses, I wish I was back in Egypt. Except for us, Egypt is just the sin of our old life. They wanted their identity to be Egyptian slaves. And likewise, many times, we want our identity to be based on the flesh, how we feel, of what, um, how we want to define ourselves. And this week, we're going to talk about the word worthy. So why worthy? Why worthy? Why worthy is this? It's your first fill in the blank. A sense of worth is the antidote to shame. A sense of worth is the antidote to shame. The reason rescue is at the core of the human experience, what we talked about last week, is because shame is at the core of the human experience. And worthiness is the antidote to shame. So what is shame? Right? Shame, Adam and Eve, sinned against God in the garden, and they're both immediately naked. It's not like they, they lost all their clothes. They just realized all of a sudden, whoa, I'm naked. I have nothing covering me, both physically and morally. Right? And God asks, where are you? Because they are hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they feel shame. This is the next one on the blank. Shame is at the core 
of much of human suffering and desire for comfort. Shame is at the core of much of human suffering and the desire for comfort. You could argue that it is completely at the core, but we can talk about that philosophically, me and Sam, you know, later. Okay? Sorry. Hey, okay. <laughs> amen, let's do this. Okay? And this is, this is interesting, right? Shame exists because people exist. Shame exists because people exist. It's a universal issue, right? And you are at a time in your life where you're trying to figure out really everything. you got your whole life ahead of you. That's what your school resource counselors tell you, right? Or your mom if you're homeschooled, right? <laughs> and because of it, shame is around every corner. Because if you say something wrong, if you dress the wrong way, well, it might just be recorded and put on Instagram, and then the whole school or the neighborhood is going to see your shame. So if you want to understand worthiness, right, you have to understand shame, and you have to understand connection. Okay, I know I'm repeating a lot of this. If you are in my uploading iGen class, some of this was discussed at the beginning, but this is so tied to your understanding of you that it bears repeating. Just in case you missed the class, which is a good b- bunch of you, I want to make sure that you hear it. Okay? So researcher Benet Brown says connection is the reason we're here, right? And I agree with Brene. The Bible agrees with Brene, right? Connection is the reason we're here. Namely, connection with our Creator. That's why I am is at the beginning of our identity, right? It's why God of this world has rescued us, because He wants connection with us. This is why we stress so much about covenant, right? And you can't have, try it sometime, you can't, but you can't have a covenant if you don't have more than two people. You literally need connection to have covenant. I can't make covenant with chair. It doesn't work. I need two people to make covenant with, right? And you can't have covenant without connection. And the Bible is rife with examples about the ways that we connect with one another. Genesis 3, for this reason, he shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Connection. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4, connection. I will be their God, they shall be my people. That's all over the Bible. You see that all over the Old Testament, but Jeremiah 32, if you need that um, source verse, connection. The church is a connection. You see that throughout Acts, all the epistles of Paul and Peter, and you see it in Hebrews too, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 12, for it is just as one body, one body has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. A connection is essential to whom we are as people. So how does shame come into play, right? How does shame come into play with connection? Well, at its core, shame is this. It's your next one on the blank. This is the definition of shame. Shame, at its core, is the fear of disconnection. Shame at its core is the fear of disconnection. It's people seeing you naked as in the story of Genesis. It's when you hear these voices. Remember the the internal radio station we talked about a couple weeks ago that's on loop, right? It's when you hear, if people knew this about me, they wouldn't like me anymore. It's when your teacher asks a question in English class. You know, one of those silly open-ended questions like, what's the meaning of this text? And really, they don't even know what the meaning is. They're trying to figure it out from you. But when they ask that question, like, and all you can think to yourself is, if I say the wrong thing, they'll think I'm weird. Right? It's that moment 
where if you hang out with this person, well, if I, if I actually interact with them, then everyone else will put me in that category too. That's what shame is. That's that fear of disconnection. And here's the problem with shame, and this is just the honest one, right? Brene Brown says this, with dealing with shame, it's your next one in the blank. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. And this is why we're talking about worthiness. And really, if you open up your Bible for a split second, you're going to see worthiness all over the pages of Scripture. Because the God of the Old Testament tries to deal with this with his people, Israel. And then he gives us Jesus to make us worthy, right? To justify us, to make us worthy before a holy God. That's why we talk about worthiness. Well, how do we overcome shame? How do we overcome it? Especially in an age where really you're still defining yourself. Newsflash, though, uh, you'll be my age, you'll be Joe's age, you'll be Todd's age one day, and you'll still be trying to figure this out, right? Um, Trying to define ourselves, right? And the answer to overcoming shame and really a sense of worthiness is vulnerability. Vulnerability. And vulnerability is a huge obstacle to our identity. We aren't around people enough to be vulnerable. We know this if you're in my uploading iGen class. You guys are <laughs> with your friends eight hours less a week when it comes to face-to-face interaction. Right? So we don't have time to be vulnerable. And we live in a filtered world, right? Like, all our Instagram photos are edited. If you post a video, it's definitely edited, right? It's a filtered world. And it's really not to show people what's going on. It's to show people what we want them to think is going on. And we call that vulnerability, which is terrifying, right? And it's not. So think about it. Depression has skyrocketed with your generation. Why? Shame and lack of vulnerability. Anxiety has skyrocketed with your generation. Why? Shame and lack of vulnerability. Suicide has increased. Homicide has decreased. Why? Shame and lack of vulnerability. We're going to watch a news clip. We let Todd pull it up. You got time. Introduce her. This is a heavier news clip, and I apologize for it, but it is it is an important issue that we deal with. And when we are dealing with worthiness, I at least want to take you to the extreme of where a identity of unworthiness can take you. Right. So this is a news clip about a. Uh, a young lady, a teenager, who has committed suicide in the aftermath of it. But if you notice in the video, especially in the beginning, right? She wrote it in huge words that covered the page. She wrote her identity, or at least how she viewed her identity. I'm a loser. I'm worthless. I'm a failure. And notice, if you look at her life, she didn't, she didn't lose. She didn't do something pointless. She didn't fail. She, she was those things, right, in her head. She tied outside realities to internal feelings to her identity. And that is what the vast majority of the world does when they try to answer the question, who am I? If you remember that moment from the devotional that we did a couple weeks ago. That's how we define ourselves. We try to take outside realities 
um, and internal feelings, and that's how we move it. She felt shame. And her answer, her awful answer, was to take her own life. So what is the antidote to shame? So when they researched this, when they could put people into categories of of this that that experience overwhelming shame, right? And those who don't. The people that didn't have debilitating shame had one thing in common. One thing in common. And that was a sense of worthiness. It was a sense of worthiness. They were worthy. This is your next film in blank. The people that have a sense of love, love and belonging, believe they are worthy of love and belonging. The people that have a sense of love and belonging, believe they are worthy of love and belonging. And and think about it, for the Christian, this is abundantly clear. This is abundantly clear, or at least it should be as we look at Scripture. We are children of the King. That's what Scripture says, right? When we believe this, we can live like this. And when we believe Satan, when he says, did God really say, like Eve in the garden, we are thrust into shame. We are loved by God. Or do you believe the lie that God could never love me? God is saying to us, as he said to Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? Do you believe me? When I say that you're worthy, do you hear that? Not because of the work that you've done, because of mine. Or will you believe the lie that you are naked and you don't deserve clothing? We make excuses for why we aren't worthy, even in a religious context. Many don't believe they've earned the right for it, right? I've not earned the right to be worthy. We call that legalism, right? We've been rejected before, and we don't want to experience it again. We call that isolationism. We numb ourselves by thinking we're morally superior to other people, therefore limiting connection and trying to put shame on others and not themselves. We call that being a Pharisee. These are all over the religious context. But it's not your actions that made you worthy. It is the actions of a holy God that does. And that should give you much confidence and freedom to seek connection. That is what should give you much confidence and freedom to seek connection. And this is your next film of life. Connection comes with the willingness to be vulnerable. Connection comes with the willingness to be vulnerable. What is... What does being vulnerable tangibly look like, AJ? What does that mean? Vulnerability, you'll experience it at one point in your life. Vulnerability is the willingness to say, I love you first. Not just to some significant other, but to a friend, right? Vulnerability is the willingness to take risk when you have no guarantees of success. Vulnerability is a willingness to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. 
that may or may not work out. Vulnerability, by its very nature, brings the risk of failure. And we talked about this in Uploading iGen. They mentioned it in the video, too. In a culture of perfection, where vulnerability says you're going to have to risk failure, it's probably the most countercultural thing you're going to do. But it is what gives you a sense of worth. It's, it's in that where God works and you realize that he is the one that gives you that worthiness. Here's the thing about vulnerability, and this is the beautiful thing about vulnerability. Vulnerability is the birthplace of a lot of hard things. Any adult in this room will tell you that. The hardest and like times that make us cringe in our life are the times that we've been vulnerable and it didn't work. Some of us still have nightmares, or I shake my head, right? I'm sitting in the car and I think about that time and I just shake my head. Happened 20 years ago, right? So it's the birth, vulnerability is the birthplace of hard things, but this is the interesting part. Vulnerability is also the birthplace of joy, creativity, belonging, and love. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy, creativity, belonging, and love. That's who makes fill in the blank. And here's the thing. We numb vulnerability, right? We numb it. All people. All people numb vulnerability. America is the most debt, obese, addicted, and medicated culture on the planet. America, Americans are now more likely to die from an opiate overdose than they are a car crash. Think about that. And the older generations, they numb fight alcohol, comfort foods, and new toys. But your generation literally has a tool in your pocket that will help you numb. Right? It's there at all times. And the moment we feel vulnerable, and the moment we feel shame, we pull it out. Clickety clack clack clack. It's a jewel. It's a jewel, yeah. I know what a jewel is. <laughs> and think about it. It's, it's secular, right? If we don't know how to handle it, we never learn. And like many addictions, at first... It can run the risk of um, leading to more vulnerability and leading to more shame, right? So if you, if you don't know how to deal with vulnerability and shame, and this is the first place you go, well, that becomes kind of the cycle that you create in your mind. So you actually never learn how to deal with it. You just learn how to numb it. It's, you know, now I'm level 165 on Candy Crush, like an egg on Instagram. You should too. If you don't, you'll be shamed, right? And this is interesting. You can't selectively numb emotion. You can't selectively numb emotion. It's your next fill in the blank. Did you know that? There's literally psych data for it. So you can't say, you know, you got some smorgasbord shelf. Here's the vulnerability. Okay, here's grief. Here's shame, right? Here's fear. Um, here's... You know, name your shadow, right? That, that is attached to your body that follows you around, that, that is always there. You can't say, I want to numb those and, and not numb the positive emotions that we carry. So when we numb these things, 
When we love shame, when we numb shame, when we numb fear, when we numb vulnerability, we numb the ability to love, we numb the ability to connect, we numb, if you look at the list, literally the fruit of the Spirit, right? We numb love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as we try to make sure that we're safe. Thinking that that's going to lead to us being worthy. But again, it's secular, it's a bit. Worthiness will potentially be the hardest part of the motto for you to wrap your heads around. If you wear this thing, I hope worthy is the thing that your eyes jump to the most. Because you need that. You need to be reminded daily that you are worthy in Christ. Because at the core of the human experience, it's a very real sense that we are not. So how do we remind ourselves that we are worthy daily? And this is where the gospel comes in, right? How do we do it daily? Turn to Romans 8. It's one of the best sections of scripture. If you want to memorize a chapter, go to Romans 8, people. Like, this is the good stuff. This is the juice, right? As Jay would say, right? Juicy, right? Jason Whipsall. I call him Jay, right? So Romans 8. It's... Your next fill in the blank, and you're also last fill in the blank, because I want you to leave with this idea more than anything. I'm going to read it for you, Romans 8, 17, 1 through 17. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Full stop, complete stoplight, turn off the gas in the car, just chill there, right? I know we're only on verse 1 and there's 17 of them, but I don't want you to miss this. There's no, there's no, there's none, nada, nilch, like nothing, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? What is condemnation? Guilt for a crime we have committed. And where does guilt lead us to? Shame, right? There is now no shame. The feeling of being disconnected is gone. Why? The rest of the verse says it. We are in Christ Jesus. We are now connected to the one we were supposed to be connected with since the foundation of the world. Like, we are fully connected. It has come full circle. We are now in right relationship with God. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Our disconnection is gone. Our problem is that we don't believe that or we don't act like we believe that, right? Like, that's the daily problem we live with. We are still prone to forget that we are connected to the one that makes us worthy. Well, how how does he make us worthy? How does he do that? Let's continue, right? Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. There's the rescue part again. It's like, it's the Bible's theme, okay? Free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, cannot do by sending his own son in the likeness of sin of flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things on the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. But the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. <laughs> Biblically, there are literally two types of people in this world. Two. Okay? It's real easy. Right? 
Dead people and alive people. That's it. Dead people and alive people. There are people who are rescued by the great I am, who are made worthy by the great I am, and are on rescue mission and called to be brave by the great I am. And there are others who need rescue, who need to find their worth in something, and can only be brave on their own strength. And they will spend most of their lives wondering, what am I doing here, when we get to say, I am is doing something here. We get to do that. So which group does your life look more like? Which group does your life look more like? Dead people or alive people? I'm not going to just assume that just because you're going to youth group, you're saved, right? I can't assume that. Today might be the day that you say to hell with the old life that leads to death and to heaven to the new life that leads to Christ. God, I plead that you make me a new creation. And if that's today, do so right now. Say, God, I want to be worthy. God, you have sent rescue. I am clinging to it. Take the moment. Be brave. Step forward. You can be made new. And if you are made new, if you're already a believer, rejoice in it. Celebrate. Victory. Right? That's your story. Okay? While the world searches for meaning, you have found the one that gives meaning, and he has found you. Rejoice, for there is no greater gift than Romans 8.1, right? For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. James Montgomery Boyce calls it the theme of the entire Word of God. And I happen to agree with him. This is the theme of the entire Word of God. Continue verse 9. You, however... Are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who dwells not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, worthiness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. There is that rescue again, slavery, fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him also. You are worthy because Christ has made you worthy. You need nothing more. And I promise, I promise you, if you try to place anything else on that pedestal, it will crumble you. We need this so much. Look, I'm 33, right? In my mind, I'm an old man. Todd laughs every time I say that. There are days I feel like an awful husband and father. Awful. Even if my kids tell me differently. Right? Kid comes up to me, Dad, I love you. I'm going to be sitting there thinking, why on earth 
But do you love me? And I need the gospel to tell me my worth. And not how good I feel like I am parenting or marriage. But how God has got me and loves me and cherishes me. I have worth because of God. Not because what Corey and Stephen and Piper and Eva say. There are days, I can promise you, I feel like an awful youth director. That I, I feel like I suck at my job. And I have to preach this gospel to myself. That my worth is not how great the last sermon was. Or how awesome camp was. Or how awesome that student one-on-one was. My worth is linked to me being in Christ. Look, I, this is going to hurt some of you statistically. The majority of you will one day in the future have a boyfriend or girlfriend that breaks up with you. And you will feel worthless. And if your worth was tied to how they made you feel, if they were your identity, then you will be enslaved to them. But God has made you worthy, not some boy or girl, or when you grow up, some man or woman. Right? Statistically, most of you will lose a job at some point in your life, or not get a job at some point in your life. You'll be turned down. There will be disappointment. And you might feel like you're worthless. If your work has become your identity, then you're enslaved to your job. And you will need to be reminded that God has made you worthy, not the paycheck. All of us have felt unworthy, will feel unworthy, maybe this very minute, feel alone, betrayed, and frightened. But God has extended his grace. He says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. The new has come. And if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are a child of the King. You are clothed in righteousness. You 